Scotty, where you at? Why you no answer me? It must be because you do not want to do this anymore. Scotty, I'm so sad. Our one listener might be glad. (laughs) If only we would stop shut this shit off. Hello, Scotty. I mean, if you're going to finish on a new low, (laughs) you succeeded. I mean, that... I mean, we've had some bad openings, John. We've had some bad, bad openings. We, I mean, you know, there's been openings where, you know, sanity has been brought into question. Definitely ability is always brought into question. But I think that is possibly one of the most depressing things I've <laughs> okay, ever well, heard. Okay, well, you life. know what will help? Is a little swift <laughs> sip of cappuccino to help help things along. All right, how's that? So I guess I, I guess we have a choice, John. Are we gonna are we gonna finish the year on a high with you know the best episode of the year? You know, goodwill to all men, women, children, small furry creatures from Elphus and Ture, that sort of thing. Or are we just going to carry on as our normal mediocre I selves? I think that we should be stunningly awful. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, in which case, we've started well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, how are you, John? I mean, last week you decided you know, to go into the office and do some work, which I think is a poor excuse for uh, for missing a podcast recording. Um, but, uh, you know, that should mean you've got plenty to tell us about this week. So tell us, how are you and, and how is your year ending? Well, Scotty, you know, I'm I'm well. And I think I, I think uh, we finished pretty strong on the project. I mean, it's... it's... <laughs> We worked our our butts off and uh, are now in a place where where we kind of have to sit tight for a couple of weeks because we're in quiet period and, and there's plenty of, of testing and, and, and usage. Um, but we're not going to be able to go out until, you know, yeah, we're not going to. We, we, it, it takes a while when you have quiet period. Of course, some people are, you know, are still working and still pushing in. And we actually kind of pre-cut the release for the first release of next year, so that it, it's basically something that is is something that has been looked at, and 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 you know, anything that's put into it is is very carefully looked at and main. You know, so is still. Yeah, where people are still working on 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 new stuff, and 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 there are few people around to test it. So we make sure that we spend a bunch of time in the new year, kind of saying, okay, we have to get this release out because it has some pending changes that are necessary. But then the the so called Wild West has to, to to be looked at and make sure everything's okay. And that's 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 the second release. But that's that's not all the exciting things. The exciting things, but I are the exciting exciting things are things I can't tell you about again, unfortunately. Um, so I was thinking about that this morning. So rather than just going going on and on about about telling you things that I can't talk about, I will tell you about things that I can. And that's uh, I think I finally starting to get the hang of Swift UI, which is is basically you have to absolutely forget everything that you ever thought that you knew about UI Kit, and and that sounds kind of um, uh, you know glib, but it's true. However, I realized that one of the things that you're not supposed to forget. Is is but you're not supposed to forget app kit and bindings. Let's put it that way, um, because with 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 UI kit, you're basically responsible for standing up everything. You have to learn all the different APIs to 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 tell it exactly what needs to do. And of course, with Swift UI, it's kind of like you tell it what you want, and 
it will masterfully put those things together. And that's all great, grand and glorious for the kind of layout purposes. But when it comes to data flow, you have to remember, it's like, no, it's all bindings and bindings because I was at this point where I was like, okay, how do I access in my view controller that's hosting the Swift view a particular UI element so I can update something? And I was like, this should be easy. It's not that hard. And of course, that's UI kit thinking. You know, you have a view model, you set the view model, and then then kind of at some point you kind of take values out of the view model and set them in the UI. Of course, you cannot do that in, in Swift UI. And people who are listening to this who are familiar with it, it's like, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. But, you know, until you start using it in a, in a production project, you don't realize that. And uh, I was, you know, struggling with it for a little bit until I let go and then it all started to make sense again. And then it was reminding me of when bindings came out in, in AppKit a million years ago. And and I remember all the WWDC settings like, well, you could write all this glue code, but why bother? Just have bindings and bind the UI and interface builder to, you know, a particular object and a key path in an object. And whether it's a, you know, a, you know, a scalar value, or a, you know, a string, an array, a dictionary with a key, whatever it is, you can get to it and write no code. And I, of course, took you know, big advantage of that when I was working on memory miner because I, you know, you made your models and you would add all the different key value aware, you know, properties that could be computed values and all that kind of stuff. And it was great. There was much, much less code. There was very little UI code, relatively speaking, because it was all an interface builder and very little, you know, glue code because it was all using bindings. And, and I thought it was the best thing in the world. In fact, I even remember kind of going on and on in front of James Dempsey himself, who um, uh, and saying, you know, when I was showing it off, it's like, look, look at all these different things you select here and it does that. And he's like, yeah, the power of bindings. Now, of course, looking back and while you're listening to Miss, you know, in between yawning, Scotty, you're, you're thinking it's like, yeah, bindings and, and interface builder files. I, I've been spending the last couple of years with money while pulling all that shit out. Um, yep. yep. And, and it makes me realize that there was a point where, where, you know, AppKit developers, when they came to iOS, they're like, well, there's, where's bindings? Where's, where's key value observing? And of course it didn't exist. And I suppose that the, the, I remember, you know, asking about it. And I think the, the common wisdom was like, all that stuff's great, but it requires lots of, of processing power that may not exist on, on iPhones back then. And it was also kind of difficult to debug. And so we decided to, to get a, a clean break and then low these many years later, that's kind of the basis of, of, of passing data to and from, you know, uh, a Swift UI. So anyway, there's my opening speech. What say you, Scott? I think, than... uh, yeah, I think, I think the fact that, I mean, Apple could conveniently say, and it probably was true, I'm not accusing them of lying by any means, and it probably was true in the early days that, you know, the the phone was not capable of necessarily supporting bindings in the way that it was done with um you know in, in mac os but the fact that the, the phone at some point became more than capable of supporting bindings in i in ios but apple never introduced it showed you exactly what they thought of bindings after a little while uh yeah well, i came to the i came to the mac at around the release time of uh mac os tiger um so that's 10.4 and I believe 10.4 was the the year that bindings was introduced. Um, so that's about 2006-ish, maybe, somewhere in there. Um, 
So, because I remember if you bought the Aaron Hillegas book on macOS programming, uh, the version from the year before was all about, was all code, and the version that came out that year was all about bindings. And as you said, we've spent the last few years trying to rip bindings out of MoneyWell, because although <laughs> it's, although, you know, it does work very well that, you know, you, you, you link your UI to an object state. Sounds very similar to Swift UI, doesn't it? And as you change things in that, the state of the object changes, the, the UI responds to it as it goes along. And that, that side works well. The problem with bindings on macOS is it's all set up in Interface Builder and therefore finding where your bindings are, finding how they're working, finding all these things is really, really difficult. I think the main difference is with Swift UI is yes, observable objects, state, all these things are effectively bindings being reintroduced to to the operating system. It's all being done in code and therefore you can find what is going on and what's being put where and when. And I think that is the my prime difference. It's not bindings themselves. It was the way bindings were set up. And I think the way Swift UI and I still think it can bring some confusion, but it's far less confusion when it's all set up in code using view models and observable objects than when you're just setting some property in in an interface builder file. Indeed. I guess you're right about that, Scotty. And well, Scotty, tell us about oh, about the joy you've been experiencing this past week since you had a break from me and my fun singing. Uh, joy, joy, joy. Has there been joy in my life? I'm waiting. That's a, that's a dramatic pause. Will I consider it? Uh, yeah, it's. It, we've been on a couple of projects now, racing that end of year deadline because um, we all know that around this time of year, you know, as of probably the end of this week, uh, app review process slows down. Um, unlike previous years where it used to close altogether for an entire week, it now slows down. I suspect, and I only suspect, I have no knowledge, that that is because rather than just closing app review, you know, uh, app review continues from regions of the world that do not celebrate these holidays, shall we say, whereas the regions of the world that do celebrate these holidays close down and therefore, you know, there is less resource to process. Uh, And, you know, I've always been a long time, Sarah, that you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't really be releasing apps this time of year, uh, new versions, not because it's a bad time user-wise to do it, but it's already difficult enough if, um, you know, it's already hard at any point of the year that if you put a release out and something goes wrong, trying to get something back through, you know, we've all had that feeling at some point of trying to get something back through app review to fix something that you were stupid to put in in the first place and the mistake you'd missed and trying to fix a bug that all your users are dealing with and, you know, just having to get over it. Uh, and, you know, that that's, that's really stressful even at the best of times. But at this time of year, when firstly probably you want to be on vacation or on holiday not not working and secondly it's going to take twice as long to happen is a bad time so realistically you know i've always been the mode if you've not released a version of your app by you know five or six days ago you probably shouldn't be doing it now till the new year um from where we are and yeah on a couple of things we were trying to get some 
some stuff out and you know, missed the deadline, missed, missed that self-imposed deadline in, in both cases, which is unfortunate. And you sat there now with attention saying, well, it's, it's not a very big release. We could just put it out and then just say, no, 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 stick, stick by your own rules. Don't do it. Don't do it. There's nothing that people can't wait a couple of weeks for. It's not the end of the world. And, um, yeah, so it is It is a frustrating side of app stores, Mac and uh, iOS, that are, you know, these non-controllable limitations are put upon you. And you know what's going to happen, don't you? You're going to end up with a, a slow Mac, you know, a slow, a slow review time because it's down and you're going to get a reviewer who decides to pick up on something that's been in the app for three years, but now is the time they're going to question it because it's the most inconvenient time to do it. So, yeah. <laughs> and because they're pissed off that you're making it exactly. work. So, yeah. If you've got an app waiting to go and you haven't put it out before the holidays yet and you're, um, you know, then uh, I, my suggestion is, and you're expecting to take some holidays, uh, then my suggestion to you is just don't do it. Just just leave it till the new year and uh, and go and have go and have some vacation. Well, speaking of vacation, can we switch to the our new segment? John complains bitterly about shit. Uh, yeah, do we have a tune for it? Let me see if I can find. Let me see if I can find uh, it on the desk here. Yeah. Get get mm. bark. Get bark. Here, here it is. Here it is. John contains. No, he doesn't. Let's put the right one on. John complains bitterly about some shit. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Scott, it's so mean. I want. I. I, I mean, I, I. I expect no one on the planet should give a flying fuck, but you. You know, I expect you to 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 you know whatever you know wince and crack up your you know your forehead, and 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 express on your with your face the pain so that you can kind of reflect back the pain I'm suffering and and help shoulder something. John, if this was a vi- if, go, oh, if this was a video out. call, you could see the pain I'm suffering right now. But carry on, okay, <laughs> carry well, on. I'm glad. To... <laughs> carry on. Okay. Anyway, so, you know, I've been rattling on about drag and drop and how much I like it and so on and so forth. And I still like it, but, but, you know, so, I don't know if this ever happens to you, but sometimes, you know, you, you start implementing something and you say to yourself, well, okay, there, you know, there must be APIs that for, for doing this thing. Uh, and it must work like this. You're just like, you're certain that's how it works. And then you discover that that's not the case. And then either something is not available or simply doesn't work the way that you're expecting it to. And you're still trying to figure out how to make what you have in mind work. So this is the problem I'm having is that, you know, dragging and dropping from collection views, um, you know, you have to figure out what the drag draggable area is. Like, you know, where, where should you accept and, you know, tell the system to listen for that long press that, that, Kind of says, okay, we're going to start to drag, and that's a system gesture recognizer. So you know, and I don't know whether there's a way of accessing it because there are other tap, you know, other drag, sorry, other gesture recognizers that may be going on. Not the least of which would be on UI controls that may exist on your cell. So imagine you've got a cell that's fairly complicated. There should be some text, some images, maybe a video player, um, some buttons for for doing other things. And it's kind of obvious where there's a cell because it might be an item in a feed or you know a a a cell in a you know a in a grid. 
Um, and so it, it, it can it, it can be kind of intuited by even the end users about saying, well, where where should you begin your drag and then what should you expect to see? And the default for, for drag operations is that you support drag from if you make your collection view a drag source uh, and a drag is, is, is initiated then, you know, but you have to give some visual representation of what's being dragged. And if you do nothing, it's just basically going to make a screenshot of the of the cell underneath. And, and oftentimes that's exactly what you want. That's fine. But sometimes it's not what you really want because you may have cells that are the full width of the screen and maybe nearly the full height. So it can become very confusing. Uh, you know, it can be unwieldy because you, you tap down you, you initiate a drag and you've got this big thing going on and eventually it shrinks down to size. And so, again, kind of if you do nothing, it, it works. It just may not be what you want. So I thought while I was, you know, working on drag and drop, I thought that there must surely be an API where you can, for instance, just pass an image that would be, uh, you know, added and it would just magically put it up there. But that does not seem to be the case. Um, and the API basically says you can tell within the view that you're making as a drag source a a rect or a bezier path around something that's in there and uh that can help so that for instance I, I was looking for examples and some explanations on that and, and found one where they basically say here's a big cell that's the full width of the screen but there's a, a thumbnail image which identifies the object being represented so we will just basically take a screenshot of just that and that's great <clears throat> but it become a little bit difficult for, in the cases where I'm doing it uh, is that you know oftentimes if you have a video player for example you will have a starting image which is exist you know before playback begins and is there while you're loading video for example and when video is playing back uh if it's drm video for example you you can't get a screen capture of it and and also you may not want to really have that and so you have the problem of the ui view that you want to use to kind of screenshot you know a, a way to represent a more complex cell the API does not seem to exist for doing that, and that made me very sad. And then furthermore, the, you have a problem where uh, if you begin your, your long press gesture to initiate a drag and that long press gesture takes place on top of something like a button, that could cancel operation of the button. So you kind of maybe don't want to, to do that. You know, you could argue either way whether you should do that because normally if you want to tap a button, you just tap the damn button. And there's a difference between a tap and a long press, but I'm, I'm getting kind of deep into the weeds. But I was disappointed on on those two points that it, I don't know how to access the the gesture recognizer that that Apple itself is using to begin a drag session, so I can do things like ask where it is, and if it's over a part of the view where I, I don't want it to to initiate a drag, I can you know tell it not to do that, and how to get a, a visual representation. So while I was doing my search, of course, I discovered much to my sadness. That, of course, uh, you know, this is a case where in Swift UI, you can do that in any view that, that is in a hierarchy. You can attach, I forgot the, the name of the, the, the property, but something about kind of deferred system actions or something. You can basically say if there are any system operations that are going to take place on that view, how do you want to handle them? Do you want to interact with them? And, and, and presumably, you know, you can, you can fine-tune the experience. So that made me sad because I couldn't, and there's no way I can rewrite, you know, bunches of the app that are in UI kit just so I can access that Swift UI feature. But the other thing, it's like, I wonder if that's a case where, you know, this is the, the, the peacetime benefit of working with Swift UI where, where, where Apple is starting to 
rewrite things that are not just basically convenience wrappers around UI kit stuff, but brand new behavior that is possible or and or easier to do uh, for them in Swift UI. So uh, yeah, now that I've been working in Swift UI for as much, I'm, I'm at that point where I guess people are when they switched from Objective C to Swift, and they thought, oh wow, this is really great. This is easy and possible to do, but you can't kind of you know adopt some technologies because you've got a bunch of Objective C uh, or UI kit behind you. Have you experienced this, Scotty? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, just just to take a, a sort of step up and back a little bit. I think it's interesting that we still consider Swift UI new. When, what is it now, four years, right. three years, four years, maybe even longer? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, but it, in, in some ways, so so that's, four years is a long time on a lot of this stuff. Um, you know, Swift is eight, nine years old now, something like that. Um, but it's, it, it, it still feels a bit new as well even though four years is not new anymore as a technology and i'm i'm not sure if this is just is this is this because when it was introduced it was so limited and now it's it's just becoming it's just becoming usable for some things like you know i could not understand you know the thought of trying to implement drag and drop on the mac with Swift UI, it would be a scary prospect <laughs> for me right now. Still, um, whereas yes, drag and drop with uh, AppKit is uh, let's say a little messy, but you know you're going to make it work. You know you're going to make it work. Um, so I'm. So to get back to your question, uh, yeah. I think there are probably parts of Swift UI that Apple are now abandoning AppKit for uh, over and doing their own way underneath. Um, but I think part of this is just an understanding of how, uh, not AppKit, UI Kit, sorry, getting the two kit, the kits from me. Some of this is like, it just, I think, helps us understand how big UI Kit has become that they cannot make it all work. Mm. And wrapping it all is, some of it's just not going to be wrappable, as you say, and they're going to have to do their own stuff underneath. Um, and it, and it does leave me sort of, and I know this isn't where you were going with the question, but I've taken it this way anyway because, I don't know, it's the end of the year, I can do what I like. <laughs> um, it's, you know, we, I like the new shiny of SwiftUI, but equally it's a bit disappointing how far it's gotten four years and that we still feel it's new and maybe not quite ready for things in places, or am I just being a bit unfair? I don't think so, and none other than diplomatic friend of the show, of the show Georg, actually even said, Scotty, do not listen to Barky, <laughs> the med incompetent dog. I'm not quite sure what he meant, but, but that he's on meds and, and they were incompetently you know, prescribed or used, but he said, basically, Swift UI is not ready for a complex, mostly Mac app. Um, I don't, I don't, I, I, I can believe that. Um, and I think I, I, I'm, I'm somewhat, uh, I, I can't say surprised because I should know this. And I was even looking back at some of my earliest, you know, personal experimentations with Swift UI and, and they are, they are old. You know, they basically just it's definitely old. And, and that's basically saying, here's some tutorials, here's some ways of doing things. And I thought, oh, it's great. I can do quite a bit with very little code. And then I kind of didn't look at it much because, Partly because it was just not really the, the interop between UI kit apps and Swift UI apps were was not very convenient, and it wasn't only until you had the Swift UI hosted view, which I, I whatever that's only one or two operating systems old, 
is one thing. And the second thing, there are some APIs that only are available with iOS 16. And I, they're, to me, they're so critical that I wouldn't even try to release anything um, that was even remotely complicated without having at least having to do with sizes. And I think that there were there were plenty of apps that you could write with Swift UI, but vastly more that you simply couldn't. And it basically comes down to the the complexity of the app and how you know the user interaction and and the the fineness of the control and the customization of it that that just wasn't possible. So I, I don't know. I I still think there's a, probably about another year before you can comfortably say that that the most complex UI kit app that you can imagine or see in the world could be completely implemented top to bottom with Swift UI. I think a year I think a year is hopeful, but I think that is definitely closer with iOS. I think on the the Mac it's a lot further away. And even though it's further, and then it becomes even further away by the fact that as Mac developers, we're often working with a lot older, you know, most Mac developers, uh, most is maybe an unfair thing. A lot of Mac developers will target their apps at current release minus two, which means, you know, you've, you, it's two years before you can start using anything that's been released. And if we're like three years away from, you know, because the Mac UI is more complicated, if we're still three or four years away from the Swift UI on the Mac becoming, you know, as good as it needs to be. And I, and I'm, I question, I still do question whether there is, you know, the effort that it's going to push the Mac that far on it because the progress has been slow on the Mac. Um, I think a lot of the progress, we, we pick up what happens on, on UI kit and, and because it works on all platforms, but there's stuff that's very specific to the Mac, not necessarily on UI kit. And I'm not sure how, well, you know, that's being pushed. And, you know, so if that takes another three, four years and then there's two years until, um, you know, you could use it in most apps, you know, that's that's five, six years. That's a long time in, in this game um, to even know what's yeah. going on. So, I mean, don't be wrong. Everything we everything we start fresh in Manuel right now with the Mac, we start in SwiftUI until we can't. Um and right now we're re we're re- rewriting the entire um, budget uh, planning uh, screen, uh, which is you know the core complicated screen of um, uh, Manuel in Swift UI, um, and we're making it work. But yeah, there's still the you know however many months into doing this, are we going to hit the point where we just can't do something um, that that we needed to do? So yeah, we'll see, we'll see. Hmm. Well. I wonder now, Scotty, whether we should consider transitioning into what do you? What are your fondest hopes and dreams and and unfulfilled fantasies for next year? Is this a family show? <laughs> well, I don't know if you consider you know mean people like Georg to be family. <laughs> do you know what, John? I think I have, other than from a developer point of view, um, yeah. I, I think we're in a pretty good position at the moment. And, you know, I, I remember previous shows when we like, we just looking for, you know, give us a Mac that works because the current laptops are crap or, you know, whatever else will give us a Mac OS that's stable because the current one crashes all over the place. And I feel that in the last couple of years, we've, we've moved past that and, and actually 
we're in a yeah we're not in uh you know utopia but we're in a we're in a good place um most of us are working on very good pieces of hardware on the whole xcode works mac os tends to work yes there are there are bugs but there's always going to be bugs we have bugs in our own software and so i think this you know the days of sitting here looking for the you know and all these platforms are now are so mature that those days of sitting here looking for the the next big thing next year is um you know it is not quite the same as it used to be like 10 years ago or or, or whatever and you know the, the amazing things so yeah i i guess if you're asking from a totally development point of view is i would like to see apple at absolute minimum maintain its current commitment to mac development and it would be in my wildest dreams as you said to see a, a back to the Mac, return to the Mac, um, renaissance of um, Mac development, which I don't think we're going to see. I, I think, I think iOS stroke Catalyst stroke whatever else, no matter what Apple say about SwiftUI, is still the future that they're envisioning. But I will hope. And what about for yourself? Wow. Um... Yeah, I should ask these questions. While, while you're answering the questions, I should think about my answer. But then I wouldn't be able to pay rapt attention to all the glorious things you're saying. I mean, I, I think I think the same. I think it's mostly, for, for me personally, it's to get to the point where I feel like I, I am no longer mystified by any parts of Swift UI. There may be things that, that doesn't quite work the way I want, but there are still portions of it that, that I still taste like I don't. I don't feel comfortable here and, and there's no worse feeling. It's like if you're just getting started with programming, you just like you, 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 you can, you can still imagine and you can count on the goodness of the universe and just assume that anything you could possibly imagine is possible. You just haven't gotten to that point yet. But if you've had enough experience with a framework or a language to be able to say, yeah, anything I've ever been able to imagine, uh, imagine, I've been able to do, even if I needed to get help, but I'd never felt like there were limits. Now there, there are plenty of, of times where I think this, this is absolutely impossible to do, but I cannot for the life of me see how to do it in, in Swift UI. And, it, and in some cases, you know, I, I feel, then I end up feeling really stupid. And then I go talk to colleagues who have way more experience than me. And they say, well, no, I mean, like they, at, at worst, they'll say, yeah, I was there, but then it took me a while to change. But then sometimes they'll say, no, there, there are absolutely still things. And in fact, you know, one of my colleagues has had another colleagues who, who basically, you know, <laughs> operated a, a Swift channel, you know, you know, Slack channel to be able to, to kind of talk UI kit developers <laughs> off, down off the roof <laughs> and they're like going, i can't believe i can't do this shit it's like <laughs> and i i should have asked like have there ever been cases where you just want to say i hey, no, there's no hope just go ahead um and that went dark but anyway so i think that i i, I suspect in another month or so um and, and i think the other thing too is that it also has to do with some infrastructure you know that we have uh somebody who's joined the team fairly recently has just been you know doing a, a, a bang-up job, bringing a lot of our infrastructure that existed in UIKit and bringing it over to SwiftUI, and it becomes easier to use. So that's all great, grand, and glorious. Um, and I think for the project I've been working on, it's 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 a long-running thing. I mean, I started in earnest back in April, uh, and I, I want it to be out there in the world. I want it to have its first test. I want the test to be successful. I want to be able to do the follow-on. So, so, so much 
am I looking forward to it that I've even started doing to, you know, things where I will say, well, here's some experimental features. It's early days, but I want other people to be able to conveniently look at it. So I spun up another A-B test to, so I could put some experimental features that are easier for my colleagues to be able to, to, to look at. Um, and I've made some screen movies to, to share some thinking with people and, and it's been very, very positive. So that, that's made me happy. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to having the, the, the rest for my brain, but I'm also kind of anxious to, to get started and, and being able to talk about what I've been working on low these many months. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it's been a good year. I think, I mean, we've released money well this year, but I think this time last year we're saying, what do you want to your wildest dream? You know, get money well released. Right. We did it. Um Next year, hopefully, we'll take another step forward again. But it's, uh, I think, John, uh, you know, we've got to the end of the year. Uh, we're both still enjoying, enjoying our jobs. We both still have our, our health as much as men of our age can do. And, um, you know, we should be grateful for the year we've had and be excited for the one to come. Well, there we go. That was so beautiful, Scotty. The only thing that could have made it better is if Barky, the, the failure dog, just, you know, barked all over that. But yeah. uh, <laughs> not to misgender bark that I can't remember, but, you know, they didn't... <laughs> They didn't take my 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 pleadings to just bark all over you. That is true, right, John? Well, we should probably wrap up for the end of the year now, and uh, we should probably let people um, go, and we should tell them how they can contact us over this uh, time of year. But I am going to start this week because you know I have suffered with the the joys stroke problems of distributed social networks. Um, you know, as I say at the end of every show, you can get hold of me at scotty at developer.social. Well, the answer is no, you can't. Not anymore, because the server that I was on Mastodon seems to have just randomly disappeared. Um, mm. It's not responding. Uh, nothing is there. Um, so toots and whatever else are not there. Um, here we are. This is, you know, you you have a distributed network to to get away from the mega corporation, uh, but equally, if, unless you run your own server, which is, I guess why a lot of people do, um, you know, I am. To, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I didn't check who was running developer.social. Um, I have no idea. Um, I've seen no announcement that it was stopping. But if it was just someone like me, they just said, "Oh, I can't be asked with this anymore," or whatever. You know, I maybe should have been more careful how I chose it, but there we are. The um, and I just before I said, well, you should have gone on the Mastodon itself server. Yeah, when I signed up to Mastodon, Mastodon weren't taking new accounts, so you couldn't. So anyway, John, my um, Mastodon address has changed. I am now. I've gone back to Mac Mac Devnet. Remember Mac Devnet when when I was on Twitter? I do. I do. Well, Mac Devnet at Mastodon social is how you can get hold of me now, and hopefully that one won't go away. So if you've been following my three toots a year, um, you won't be getting them on the old one before. Please come follow me again somewhere else, um, and I won't be following you anymore. So you know, it's uh, as you toot me, I'll. Uh, detoot back or whatever the word is <laughs> there we go so there we are john well how can people um get hold of you in your far more stable environment well 
Scotty, if you want to, if people want to find me, they can always find me on the internet as Jembe, that's D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum, at <clears throat> Mastodon, uh, dot, oh yeah, whatever, on <laughs> Mastodon.net, there we go. Um, uh, otherwise, I actually have to say, I'm, I'm, I'm becoming more and more uh, uh, habitué of threads, so I'm John Fox on threads. Um, and uh, either place, I'm happy to hear from you, but uh, threads has become pretty cool. Well, look at you, Mr. Threads. Look at me. Yeah. Yeah, well. Right. Well, thank you for uh, listening this year, Who uh, all of you who had. Um, hopefully you only had to take the uh, appropriate number of turns and we didn't inflict um, uh, too much on you. If you got to uh, be on duty for the uh, uh, few weeks here and there that we were off, I think we've actually managed to... Uh, put out a reasonable number of shows this year john if i'm i'm not 100 sure mm-hmm. how many we have but i brought the pain i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna have a look if right now before we go and see how many shows assuming we get this one out of course before the end of year when was uh can we see the dates let's go back let's see what's uh when did we start it's 2023 isn't it so yes. there we are we we started uh 2023 with a show on january the fish show 354 and this is now show 377 so uh 378 so what's that that's a uh, 24 34 shows 24 wow. shows 20 24 shows john we did shit <laughs> <laughs> I thought we'd done the world has been better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we did 24 shows. What a lazy bunch of ass wipes we are. <laughs> so there we go. It's me thinking we, right. we could be proud. Anyway, we're gonna we're gonna fuck off now because we don't want to do any more shows this year. <laughs> so thanks for listening and until next time. You take care. Twenty four shows. Whoa, what is waste of space?